One of the favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is the Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee is a dark roast called Midnight Rider. This elusive roast delivers a fruity aroma, bright acidity, and tastes notes of berry, cane sugar, and melon. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. As it's veteran-owned and operated, they support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today. I'm always putting constant stress on my body, which is why I decided to try mud water, and it has been a game changer in regard to mental focus. The blend of adaptogenic mushrooms, cordyceps, and lion's mane all support focus, physical performance, and are great for the immune system. Now these aren't the hallucinogenic type of mushrooms, but I do like that mud water gives back to the Berkeley Center for the Science of Using Psychedelics to help treat individuals with mental health disorders. Go to mudwater.com, that's M-U-D-W-T-R, use code CAM for 15% off your first order. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. This is the Keep Hammering Collective. I'm with Brian Barney. Brian, thank you for coming to Springfield, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the invite, man. It was amazing. We were able to grind and go have an adventure together. It just doesn't get any better. <laughs> so tell me, you've, you've been watching, I think you've seen the show and mm -hmm. maybe seen some of the podcasts. How was it? Was it what you expected? Was it different? Or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think uh, I expected to go hard and I expected to grind, but it's different when you're in that moment too. Mm -hmm. It's like you can have all these expe expectations, but until you're there climbing the mountain, until you're there in the heat, you don't really know what to expect. So I knew we were going to go for it. And um, yeah, you definitely uh, met my expectations, if not exceeded them and able to grind. <laughs> and then to like when you share an adventure, when you share difficult things together, uh, it it's really like this amazing experience that's like a closer friendship than you get like sharing a, a beer with somebody or yeah. something. So yeah, it was uh, everything I could have hoped for. Oh, good. Well, I mean, you know, to catch people up to speed, um, Brian works for Eastman's mm -hmm. and uh, Eastman's is like, for those that don't know, you know, in the hunting industry or hunting uh, community, they're, you know, man, they've been in the game forever. Gordon Eastman started filming hunts back in the, what year was that? Do, do you he know? Had like the sixties or seventies exploring Canada for doll sheep, the right. Northwest territories. Yeah. Yes. He was like one of the first ones to do it. Outdoor films. He's a pioneer. Absolutely. And so the Eastman's family has just been so steeped in tradition. And, and, um, for those that don't know, again, I worked for Eastman's for about 10 years and, and they launched the bow hunting magazine, Eastman's bow hunting journal. I was involved in that and they gave, really gave me my first shot at a real job in the outdoor industry. It's like the, you know, the debt I'm indebted to them for that opportunity because here was, I, I was some dipshit bow hunter from Oregon, which Oregon isn't known for trophy, anything or great hunting or anything noteworthy. And they gave me, they're in Wyoming, some of the best hunting 
they've been, you know, involved in filmmaking forever and they took a chance on me. So you fast forward to when I left 2008 and then Brian comes in and it's almost like, I don't want to say mirrored the same journey, but it's a similar story. Mm-hmm. T- tell me how you got started with Eastman's. So similar. Um, well, uh, the same as Gordon was a pioneer, you were a pioneer for bow hunters and uh, paving the way. And and you paved the way through grit and determination and hard work and also consistent results, being able to arrow consistent trophies and then writing about them. And you got yourself noticed by writing stories and telling about your adventure uh, by honing your craft and becoming a proficient bow hunter. And so uh, you really paved the way. And and to be honest, like... um uh, like, uh, uh, a lot of my mentality came from like running to the, the post office box to get your articles. When you were the editor of Eastman's bow hunting journal, it was just like out of all the literature that I wrote and, or all the literature that I read and all the information I took in, like yours spoke to me, like, uh, uh, your, your mindset, but really your passion for it, like how much you loved it and how you put absolutely everything into it. So me as a young 20 year old kid kid that moved from the Pacific Northwest to Montana, I immersed myself in the world and I embraced that, that mindset and I embraced that passion for it. And I fell in love with the process and with the journey of improving and, and becoming really good with my bow and really good, uh, in the most rugged, wildest places in the lower 48. And I started finding consistent success. And so I started writing about that success and, and talking about my adventures in different places. And, you know, it, it probably took me twice as many articles to get noticed, but after you get published 10 times in the magazine, finally they start to pay attention and go, hey kid, yeah, we're thinking about giving you a chance for an actual paid article. And I've been <laughs> writing for free this whole time, but it's not writing for free. It's also like I'm reinvesting in myself. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm betting on myself. And to become... To make a living in the outdoor industry is a bit like trying to become a movie star. There's not many guys that make it, and everybody tells you that it's not possible. You right. can't hunt for a living. Uh, but I had this belief in myself and in uh, the direction where I was going. So really, you know, I just followed the path that you laid down of hard work and dedication and really working hard to hone my craft at bow hunting. Started getting noticed. They gave me a chance at staff articles, then gave me a chance at um, doing some film work, and every chance I was given, I proved myself Mm -hmm. and came out on top. And then, you know, I had this idea to start the podcast and now we've been going eight years strong. And I just, you know, I had, I had more information that I wanted to get out there. There's so many nuances to bow hunting and becoming proficient about it. And so it really started to connect with hunters and took off. And, um, yeah, now I'm to the place where I've really made a good name in the hunting industry. And, uh, I just want to continue to strive forward and be at my best and be a student of the game and get even better, man. I'm not at my limits yet. No, no. We're the goal is to get better every day, better today than yesterday, better tomorrow than today. And you, I saw the, the effort you put forth and everything that we did with the lift run shoot. I mean, for those that don't know, most people in the archery industry probably know Brian is a great shot, but the, the work that he put in and the training today and running yesterday is like, that's what sets him apart also, because there's a lot of great shots out there that don't kill, you know, I mean, you can be a great shot standing on the line on a course, and that's much different than when the chips are down, when you've 
you know, you've had to earn every opportunity. The mounds are unforgiving. The mounds are giving, aren't giving you any breaks. The animals aren't giving you any breaks. And so I see why you're successful because I see how hard you work in the training and the pre preparing. And I've watched your journey and over the course of your career too. And it's, uh, it's, I mean, I love it. I love it when hard work is rewarded. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how, that's how life is supposed to be. Life isn't fair all the time. Sometimes it doesn't work that way, but for you, it has worked that way. And it's, and it's great to see. Um, I was curious, you said you started writing. What was your first article? My first article was a Nevada muley that I killed and uh, I killed him on a solo trip. And I was um, by myself 11 days deep into the Nevada backcountry. And it's in this giant wilderness in there. And um, I'd done some mule deer hunting and I definitely hunted around my home state. With, but this was a big adventure hunt for mm -hmm. me. And so by yourself, 10 days in the wilderness or longer, 12 days, whatever it took me to kill this buck, it... Um, you don't get to hide from yourself very much. Like uh, your true colors come out and you have to face yourself and um, difficult things. And so I was able to arrow this great buck in the Nevada backcountry. And so that was my first article. But man, I didn't, I didn't pay attention in high school like I was supposed to. I was too into sports. I was, you know, I'm really good at learning about the things I'm interested in. And right. then I go all in. So I didn't pay as much attention as I should have with my spelling or my grammar. And so it's something that I'm all self-taught. So when I started getting interested in writing articles, it's like this difficult format where you have to be able to express your your passion for it. And you have to be able to take readers on this, this journey with your wordsmithing and so like it was something that I really had to work at and hone my skills and write a bunch to really let my passion uh come forth like on the paper and so yeah something that I had to work at but that was my first article was um Nevada backcountry a great big giant buck that I arrowed deep into the hunt that's great and yeah as much much like my journey my first articles i didn't get paid then i remember i got paid 25 dollars. i wrote for oregon hunter magazine and just like you writing is is not easy you're trying to paint a picture with words and you want to put the reader there and it took me a while to figure that out you know i was so i was so interested in just telling my story from my perspective and then i was like well wait I'm not, this isn't for me to read. I already know what happened. I need to take the reader there. And that is, it sounds easy. Words make it sound easy, but to do it is difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I remember I'd sit and send articles into, you know, the dream was to get in Bowhunter, one of the big magazines, right? Bowhunter and Peterson's. And they were like, no, you suck. So yeah, rewrite it, try again. I, I never wanted to rewrite anything, but I remember you know, I would see Eastman's and it was a big glossy magazine, giant animals. And uh, that was like for a Western hunter, that was the dream to make Eastman's, you know, and I have to hand it to them. They've navigated the changing landscape of media because at the time it was Eastman's Bone or Eastman's Journal, then Eastman's Boning Journal. Then there was like a trophy hunter magazine. There was other magazines that were very similar, but they were all trying to kind of copy Eastman's, you know, Eastman's set the standard essentially. So to make that was like, that was the pinnacle at that time. But now magazines are, they're still around. I mean, Eastman still has a magazine, but they've done a good job. And I mean, it sounds like you were the, you kind of suggested the podcast maybe, and maybe that was your push, but in general, they have other podcasts, they have magazines, they have uh, internet-based, 
information and and it seems like they've just evolved. Mm-hmm. And so I got to hand it not just to Gordon first for paving the way, then Mike for having this vision of making it. You know, he had you know a few other people involved, and then his kids became involved. Guy and Ike Eastman, who I think run the show now, but it's been impressive what they've been able to do as far as how everything's changed and they're still there at the top. Yeah. They're uh, adapting to a changing landscape, which Mm -hmm. is great. Yeah. And um, being able to excel in those um, uh, different media formats, um, which is awesome. It's like doing the podcast right now. Like how beautiful are podcasts, man? I mean, they've only been around, like I've had mine for eight years, but they're not that old. Mm -mm. But it's something that you can do while you're active, while you're doing other things, while you're getting a workout, while you're getting a run, while you're driving to work, you can be taking in this information and this information that's given out on these podcasts have taken guys like me and you a lifetime to learn, to hone our craft at bow hunting and to figure out how to stalk animals or to shoot effectively or like your mindset uh, for people to be able to listen into your podcast and get your mindset and mentality that you take into bow hunting, but really that you take into life. You know, it's amazing that everybody can tap into that and listen to that in their headphones and apply it to their own life. Now that information is out there and you put it out to guys just like I I don't hold any secrets back. I talk about everything that makes me a successful western bow hunter, all the lessons I've learned. I put that information out there, but then it's up to the people to take that information and to apply it to their own lives. So people hear this podcast and then they have to act on it and they mm-hmm. have to start taking those steps to gain that mentality and mentality isn't something that you can just wish you had. You have to grind and earn it. Like you got to put in the work day in, day out. You got to be in uncomfortable situations over and over and over again to callous your mind, to build this mentality. And now you've done a great job of doing it. Now you're sharing it with everybody that listens into this podcast and everybody has an opportunity to take that and go make something out of themselves. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, when you say that, I think I don't think it's my mentality because I, I feel like I'm learning from my guests. You know what I mean? I don't think I do anything noteworthy other than maybe suffer a little more than other people want to. But, you know, because you talk about earning that mentality. And then I think about, you know, we did a good run yesterday, you know, a few thousand feet of gain. And as as you can attest, I like doing it. That'd be hard enough anyway. So I'm in my head, I'm like, how do we make it harder? Oh, it's going to be 90 today. Let's do it when it's the absolutely hottest part of the day. And then when we're on that straight stretch heading towards Pisgah, it's absolute, you know, heat coming off the asphalt. We've already got in 15 miles. That's where for me personally, I'm like, finally, because anybody else would be like, they'd be, you know, I, I don't really like running in the heat. I like running in the morning when it's cool. Yeah. Well, no shit. Who doesn't? But this is why we're doing it because nobody else wants to do it. I mean, did that make sense yesterday? I mean, oh, 100%, man. That's and, that's the difference. And you do it too, right? Is that yeah. is that your goal also in your training? 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But yeah, it's uh you're embracing it. So the same way people are learning from this podcast, you know, you're learning from your guests and your your influences and the the people that you're friends with and you're taking that mentality and applying it to your own life uh and your own passions. But yeah, uh the difference between you is like uh you're all always looking for it to be tougher. Yesterday you're running in a black shirt, which is hotter, uh, which you never took off. You're, 
you're running on the asphalt, the hotter it got, the happier you are. And uh, you told me at the end, I wish it would have got hotter for us. So it's <laughs> like, uh, that's your mentality is you're always looking for it to be tougher. And I think embracing difficult situations like that, like life is all about perspective. It's all about how you look at it. And you can look at it and go, man, this is shitty. It's super hot. And you can give into that and and give up on the hunt or you embrace and go, man, I, I wish it was hotter. Now I'm really improving. And yeah, on that, that last stretch that got hot on that asphalt, you picked up your pace and went even faster and tried to hurt even more, you know? So, uh, that's what you've done a really good job of embracing is um, uh, your perspective on things and wanting it to be difficult. And me, like you can show me a great four point buck that's easy a mile from the trail. I'm going to want to go 10 miles back to go find that buck that nobody's found, even yeah. if he's not as big. Right. Like I want, I want it to be difficult. I want to hurt. I want to push myself because the more you put into something, the more it means to you when you exactly. achieve it, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, how is it that two? So you're from Washington originally. Mm-hmm. I'm from Oregon. Those are, if you had to pick the worst states in the West, those two would be right at the top <laughs> of the list. Right? So, how does two guys from from? I mean, we shouldn't succeed in hunting because the best hunting, of course, everybody knows Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, Montana. Mm-hmm everywhere but Washington and Oregon. So how did you find your way to the industry and to the top of the industry where now you're a respected name? How, how did that happen? Yeah, I think, um, you know, like being a quality bow hunter, you know, it's not just being a good shot. It's not just being physically fit. It's like so multifaceted of all these different skill sets you have to work out at, uh, work at and, and become proficient at. But I think, um, I think the bottom line is is like with all these people that you have in that sit across from you, like it's passion. It's mm-hmm. a love for it. It's it's this burning desire to do whatever it takes to find success. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever it takes isn't just on a seven-day hunt or a 10-day hunt. It's a bow hunting lifestyle, 365 days a year where you dedicate yourself and you think about it every day and every night when you lay your head down on the pillows like did i do everything i can do to be the best bow hunter i can be and it's the long game it's not a week worth of work a month worth of work a year worth of work it's years of your life of dedicating absolutely everything you have to that craft so i think for me you know it all starts with the passion and the love for it and not just falling in love with the results of standing behind a great big six point bowl or not just falling in love with the results of the accolades of people from the industry or social media for me it's an absolute love of bow hunting it's a love of of the endurance of it it's a love for the adventure in wild places and so i think for me it's like everybody else that you've interviewed it comes down to passion and a Mm. love for it don't you think yeah yeah of course i mean because you know we talk about so why would you you know you run in the heat of the day to me that's nothing compared to the challenges of a hunt you know what i mean so if you can't do that push yourself to do that you're probably not going to succeed in the mountains because mm-hmm. they're so much harder. It's so much harder than training. And that's what I would say. If your hunt is the hardest thing you've done, you're probably going to fail because you're just not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. So we push ourselves in training because we know the hunt's going to be difficult, but we might got to make the training even that much harder. Mm-hmm. And because of that, but 
the the reason why you're able to do that is because it's deep inside you. It's your heart. It's your passion. It's it's what drives you every day. It's what you think about, as you said, twenty four seven. And if you don't, you know, I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't had many just straight up hunters on here. It's always yeah, people. You know, some fighters dabble in hunting and this and that are very passionate about hunting. But you are just you are a hunter, a bow hunter. And I haven't had people on here like this because I've been involved in the industry for so long and I've seen so many, um, God, I don't know what to say. Uh, there's ego, you know, I have an ego too, so I, I can't really blame people for having an ego, but hunters, they like to talk shit sometimes and it's so competitive um, people want to stand out. Do they want to stand up because they love bow hunting or do they want to stand up because they love attention? Um, and if it's attention, I don't like that, that, that irritates me. If you love bow hunting, you're not usually talking shit about another bow hunter, right? Mm -hmm. If you love attention, then you're talking shit about people who get more attention than you. Mm -hmm. You have always been somebody who I've listened to your podcast. I read your writing. I see what you're doing. I don't see you talking shit. I see you wanting to get better, um, embracing the challenge, um, loving the passion of what we do. And so I'm like, that's a guy I want because you listen to a lot of guys who might call themselves, you know, whatever people love talking about how tough they are. And for hunters, it's like, listen, yeah, hunting can be hard, but you're doing it one month out of the year right? I mean, if you're just hunting and you're not training, you're not doing all this, that's one month. That's not, you're not that tough if that's all you do. If you're training for that one month for 11 months, now you got my attention. All right. And the guys who do that aren't the ones talking shit. That's you. You mm -hmm. train every day to be the best for a month. Is that right? I mean, mm -hmm. well, I mean, you hunt more than a month, but for me, my whole world revolves around September and that's bucks and bulls. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just appreciate your mindset, the way you carry yourself, you're respectful and you fucking work your ass off. Mm -hmm. So that's what, that's why you're here as my first, just all out straight up bow hunter. Mm -hmm. I, I love what you stand for. Man, it's like, um, the best compliment I could get. And, um, Man, it's, uh, it just, it means so much to me that, um, you would invite me here to Oregon and invite me to work out and in, invite me to be on the podcast. It's a, it's a big platform and it's, um, uh, it means the world to me that you'd share, uh, you know, some of, um, uh, the following that you've worked so hard and that you'd share it with a fellow bow hunter and not to say competition, but really sharing it with your competition. And so like, um, um, it, it just absolutely means the world to me. And there's just like nothing but respect on my side of the work that you put in and, and not only like the opportunity to, to come here and be on a platform or, you know, maybe pick up some listens on my podcast, but the opportunity to learn from you and the work that you put in and your mindset and your approach to bow hunting, like I'll get more out of that than I'll ever get anybody listening to the podcast or anybody mm -hmm. following me. So just to be able to learn from you and be invited here like man it's a it's a dream come true like you've worked really hard to create this and um to invite you know an average guy blue collar carpenter to be on your podcast or you know an average bow hunter like man it's um it, it's amazing and and so um 
yeah, I just want to fill those shoes and um, be able to have some good workouts with you and learn from you and lay down a good podcast. But this is such a huge opportunity for me to learn from you. And man, I mean, it's like um, a lot of the mentality I had started by, you know, reading your articles and reading your book and, and your passion for it and passion for bow hunting. That's where a lot of mine stem from. Now, you know, it's like, Anybody can look at a Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan and say, I love that guy's jump shot. They're not going to become that guy, Mm -hmm. but you have to make your own path in life and find your own path. So a lot of that like lit a fire under me. And then, you know, as I started seeing success, as I started, uh, like, like being fulfilled in the bow hunting world and these huge adventures, I started making my own path and then carving my own way through it. But that, you know, it all started by running to my mailbox, reading your articles, (laughs) dude, you your, your articles, you talk about writing, you are so good at writing, like to, to be a young 20 year old kid and to get your magazine. And back then there wasn't podcasts, there wasn't videos or not many that you could watch. There was this magazine that showed up in my mailbox every other month and it had your writing in it in the, the beginning. And it had your, your articles in there. And you talked about your passion for bow hunting. And it was like, man, it was the one thing that spoke to me. And I, you know, I, I wasn't, um, set up to succeed as a kid, you know, I like, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, broken family. I lost my mom fairly young at 19. I, um, you know, like, you know, everybody's been through tough times. Life isn't easy for anybody and you can get caught up in feeling sorry for yourself. You can get caught up in, in making excuses for things, or you can go out and you can go bust your ass and make a really good life for yourself. And, and that carries over to everything I do. It's not just bow hunting that I succeed at, you know, it's a, a a father, a husband, it's my business, it's my personal investments. Like I take that mentality into everything I do. Um, but it's a, a big part in what you wrote in those magazines. So like just the weight of your words and now you being able to reach all these people on your platform and give them this information, you're going to have like a lot of go-getters that, you know, maybe they're great bow hunters, but maybe they're just great at life, man. I mean, that's, um, that's, that's a pretty beautiful thing, you know? And, um, it, it all started with just like that, like reading that passion that came off those pages, man, such motivation. Thank you. It's, uh, I, you know, I want to say, I didn't know, I didn't know you lost your mom when you were 19. I mean, what, what happened? A suicide. Really? Yeah. She just got to a really dark place. Um, she held her, like she was a really good mom throughout life. And a lot of it was a single mom or I had a stepdad that was an alcoholic and abusive. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't the best life, but you know, my mom, we had a very clean house. Uh, we had dinner uh, together every single night, which I still carry that tradition into my family. Um, she was a good mom that always supported my wrestling and came to my events And um, she just got to a dark place. She had lost her job. And then, you know, it's almost like she had too much pride to just go get a job and go make money. She wanted another good job like she had. And, um, you know, I'm sure drugs and alcohol played a part in it. And she got to a dark place. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a a bit of a shocking surprise that I'd... um, yeah, I was 19. And man, it's just tough to lose your mom at 19. And then also I have a younger sister that, that found her at 16, you know, so it was really tough on her as well. And so now my sister lives in Montana. She's got a great family of her own. And I, you know, I, there was, 
there was like some weird stuff around the death. It was like in a car with the exhaust pipe in the window. And there was like this weird thing, like note written on the dartboard that said Mark did it, you know, and there was like all this weird stuff surrounding it. Like, I still don't know, you know, I've accepted that she killed herself, but I, I still don't know, you know, I don't mm. know. The cops said, well, there was no broken entry or there was no, but who knows? He could yeah. have been there. He was fairly abusive as well, you mm. know? So I don't know. He could have been behind it all, but you talk about tough times and we all go through tough times in life. But yeah, that was, um, that was a real challenge for me for mm. sure. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it's, um, uh, yeah, life, life deals us hard times, but, uh, you know, that's not a typical one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It's, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's awful. But she'd be proud of me now and mm -hmm. proud of my sister now. And, um, you know, she was a really good mom that always provided, always cared for. She just got to a really dark place. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel bad for people that get there, but, you know, I have to know that that, that same, that same um, thing that happened to her, like that's that's in our DNA and something I have to keep tabs on, you know, mm -hmm. and and not that I get depressed or I get negative, but my life can definitely get out of balance. So I have to I have to live a fulfilling life and I have to keep myself up. And I just um, I, I know that, um, you know, that's half of my DNA, you know, mm -hmm. so it's something where I have to keep tabs on my sister and I have to and she keeps herself up and has a great family. But I, you know, I, I have to watch out for my own family. And I just know that my mom would want me to live a happy and fulfilling life. She'd want me to care for my wife, care for my kids. And so I just try to carry that on. And, um, yeah, I mean the, the pain cuts really deep even now, 20 years down the road. Um, but you know, you can't change it and you just have to make the, the most out of this life with the time that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are, I mean, I, as you said, I'm sure she'd be proud if she could see you now and, and could see the impact you're having on others. Uh, I think that that's one thing that stands out. So knowing that it's like, then I think about the podcast I've listened to with you and your mindset. And it makes, it makes more sense because you're always the twist you put on everything is a positive one. You know, you're looking at how do I get better? How do I improve? You know, I've even heard you say, and I had a hard time, to be honest, I had a hard time uh, not not accepting it, but like getting it 100%. But you'll say, well, you shot a buck, shot out a buck, and I can't remember if it was an axis buck or a mule deer buck, but you hit a tree or maybe you missed it, but you were proud of the process because you, you know you did everything right. You released a great arrow and it just missed or it did something. So you were like, to me, I can't turn a fucking miss into a positive, dude. I can't. I would just be like, the owner, I don't care about anything other than I just missed that fucking chance. Mm -hmm. So, but you look at the positive. I'm like, oh, I cut, a, cut loose a great arrow. And now it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well... Yeah, that's part of Brian's journey. Mm -hmm. That's what he does. So do you know the the story I'm talking about? Oh, 100%. Yeah, to <laughs> yeah. elaborate on it. Yeah. I think we all can agree. No one likes a plumber's crack. My suggestion, Groove Life belts and longer shirts. But not only does Groove Life have belts, they have silicone rings, watch bands, and wallets for everyday use. I've been using their belts for over a year now, and I can tell you they're easy to adjust and my crack is covered. Go to groovelife.com backslash cam and use code cam for 20% off your order. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. 
And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. Loophole Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Loophole Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Loophole, for supporting the podcast. So I just know that executing correctly, that more animals will die, that if I can execute good shots, like my odds are going to go up of killing those animals, my perfect shots, I'm going to make more of them. And I would rather execute properly and miss that animal than to punch my trigger and kill that animal. That doesn't feel good to me. Mm. So for me, it's getting control of my shot process and my mind executing correctly. And I know when I execute correctly, 95 or 99% of those animals are going to die. Now, if I cheat that process and I punch my trigger, I get my pin just where it needs to go. And I say, now I know that my odds, I'm still going to kill a lot of those animals, yeah. but it's going to go down to 70%. So that's exactly right. As I had mm -hmm. snuck up on a big yeah. axis buck, I had made a great stock and I had crawled up and I was in this herd with all these deer around. And I've, I've wanted to kill a giant axis, which is a 30 inch is what those guys right. consider a giant. And so I'd crawled up and this 30 inch axis buck walked out and he was broadside and he was 45 yards and he just stepped out beyond the tree where he exposed his vitals. So the, the tree is blocking like the guts liver. I can see the lungs and the heart and then there's the shoulders. So I have this tight window to stick my air. How far? Uh, 45 yards. Okay. So I, I drew back, I'm from my knees and my pin, um, is just wavering from the shoulder to the tree, the shoulder to the tree, right in those vitals. And I and kept, for those that don't know, you can't hold your pin exactly steady. It's right. not like a crosshair on a rifle. Yep. It's like that pin is going to move a little bit. Got to trust the float. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I trusted the float, kept pulling on my shot. The shot broke and I hit the edge of that tree by maybe a half inch. You mm -hmm. know, I can't believe it didn't graze off the tree and then get them in the vitals. Mm -hmm. So I had missed them and hit in that tree and it hurt. I hate missing, you know, yeah. but... I had executed correctly, and I know when I execute correctly, animals are going to die. And now, for the rest of the season, like to execute that way, I know I'm going to kill some great bucks and some great bulls. And I know eventually I'll kill my 30-inch axis. Mm -hmm. And it happened this year on great execution. Executed my shot, perfect arrow. He went and died. He was 32 and a half tall. I killed my 30-inch buck. It just yeah. took me a little bit longer than I thought. <laughs> but yes, I can look at the positive of that stuff because I did execute correctly. And so... For me, it's all about perspective. I don't get bogged down by the negative or I try to grab the silver lining and I, man, I fail. I, to be a quality bow hunter, to be good at anything in life, like failure is the building blocks to success. Like you have to fail over and over and over again. And now you can either get drowned by your failure or you pick yourself up, you get back after it and you go find redemption and put that perfect arrow into an animal. Mm -hmm. And so I just try to look at that things that way. And, uh, the only reason I'm any good at bow hunting is I've made every mistake. I've missed every animal. I've blown stocks. I've blown shots. Mm -hmm. But I look at it and I, I assess it. 
and and I I go out and prove from it and I'm better the next time around. And it's like you want to learn from your mistakes and see what you did wrong. You have to drop your ego and you have to 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 really look at that encounter and and drop your ego and go, okay, what did I do wrong? How could have I been better? But then you also have to forget it's like Tom Brady's thrown interceptions in the Super Bowl too, but he's not thinking about that when he's making a pass. It's like you're not going to succeed every single time. You're going to have these failures. Learn from them, get better, go on to the next one and go get them. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Definitely great advice. I mean, easier said than done. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I'm glad that redemption happened. And it probably just like, just as we've learned in life, you know, you fail, then it makes the success that much sweeter. So I'm sure that 32 inch buck this year felt like even better than normal. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I do like that. So how do you, as you, you're around negative people, I mean, everybody is, there's a lot of, a lot of people who are, you know, I mean, life is full of challenges. Some people, yes, they see the glass half full, some see it half empty. So how, how do you, navigate around people with a negative mindset what's your what's your trick Mm -hmm. yeah it's um it's definitely difficult it's like um you you can't you lead a horse to water you can't make him drink like uh you just try to spread positivity and i try not to let that negativity affect me and i try not to buy into it Mm -hmm. it's like you know everybody wants to shoot somebody down to make themselves feel better and um, thank goodness you take a lot of the grief because, uh, your following's 10 times as big as me that you deal with a lot of negativity and guys love to hate you. They love to post negative. They love, it's like, it makes them feel better to like put you down and go, Oh, Cam only does this because of this reason. Or, you know, uh, uh and it's the same with me as guys will, um, uh, they'll come up with a reason of why I'm successful. And it's like to make themselves feel better. And so I just, if it affects you, then that's when they're getting to you or that's when they're winning. And so I just, I try to pay no attention to what anybody's saying. It's like water off my uh, duck's back. Mm-hmm. Like I just try to it ignore it. Don't give it any energy and focus like on my own life and just realizing that, um, you know, it, it, like I have my family, like I have real things that I have to do. Uh, like I, I, I have a business I have to run and a podcast I have to run. And the bigger you get, like the more hate you deal with. But I just try not to give it any energy and try yeah. to focus on myself and self-improvement. And I'm really trying to be at my best. And that's, you know, at my best is not just running a race or not just on a bow hunt. It's also being my best in life. Like, interactions with people doing what I say I'm going to do following through like there there's all these um uh ways in life that you're going to be tested in this in this mind space and so I just I just don't give it any energy and I focus on what's right in front of me and what's important to me and I let the let, let the rest fall away and it doesn't always work like sometimes it gets to me or I see a negative comment or um something negative around me and like put a little thought into it, but it's like a, like a, a mental exercise of just going, Hey, you're thinking about this too much. He's getting to you, you know, or this is getting to you. Why are you thinking about some comment when you're out here running in the woods? Like, (laughs) like it's like now he's getting to me. So I just try not to let it get to me. And I try to be at my best every single day and put forth the best effort I can and then let the chips fall where they do. So I, you know, I, I'd say that's 
that's where I try to keep that, that positive energy around me, just the way I look at the world. Yeah. Well, you know, if I think back on all the guests I've had here, and I think you're, you know, I've, I just started this, so I'm pretty new, but as we've had, you know, 30 some podcasts, but if you think about, and I always say, I want to talk to outliers cause I want to learn. I'm my, my journey is to still improve every day and I can learn from people who are, who have been successful in their field. And each of those outliers who've been on here, the 30 some guests we've had, and I've spent days with them training, doing different things. So positive. The people I've had on here, they're not talking shit about anybody. They're freaking giving their best to their life. And so I think there's a lesson to be learned, just as you explained, from all these people. And we've had, you know, Olympic gold medalists. We've had, you know, you know UFC fighters. We've had incredible ultra runners. They're just focused on doing their best and like, how can they improve and being grateful and thankful for the life they've been, been afforded and they earn it and they don't have time to be worried about somebody behind them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I like, I like that. And I, it made me reflect on who I've talked to here on this podcast and it makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, you know, and it, it made me also think about to my journey and I've, I, uh, like back in the day, I did fight that because I thought that people, you know, you know, I had to prove people wrong. And so that was like, that's probably not the greatest approach to things. But then I think about the sweet part of that too. And I remember writing the red, maybe the articles that you resonated with you back in the day. And I still remember everything about these hunts, but I I wrote an article called dream catcher. I wrote an article called blood, sweat, and bowls. And when I think back to those experiences in the mountains by myself, having to overcome and then share that journey in the pages, and then maybe think that it maybe it influenced a young bow hunter like you. It's like, God, how, why was I even thinking about people who weren't on my side? You know, but it's so weird. It's like, Maybe we just, we got to learn and mature and it's just part of the process. Mm -hmm. Well, you spun it a different way too. You took the David Goggins approach where mm -hmm. you use that negative energy for your own positive, right? Yeah. As you used it for motivation. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's not always the healthiest mind space to be in <laughs> yeah. for sure, but it's also gotten you to where you needed to go. And so there mm -hmm. is some of that, like uh, uh, proving yourself or proving people wrong. Um, you know, I, I don't get in that headspace too much, but... I'm constantly trying to prove it to myself, like right. each and every hunt, like I have to show up on the map, like these bulls, when you show up, like they don't know you're Cameron Haynes. They don't know I'm Brian Barney, like every elk season and to kill a Montana mature six point bull or wherever I'm hunting. Like, like those bulls don't know I'm Brian Barney. They don't know that I, that I've killed a bunch of bulls or that I'm a successful bow hunter. I yeah. have to go out and prove it every single year. Yeah. And I have to have this, this drive and this mentality for every hunt I go on and for every bull that I want to kill, I'm starting over at square one. No, mm -hmm. these bulls don't know anything and they're, uh, wild. Their, uh, instincts are keen. Like they're really tough animals to kill. Like I think you know, to, to bow hunt and to arrow a mature bull is one of the toughest challenges you can take on. And, and I just mean that you really have to get good at all these different skill sets. And then you have to capture lightning in a bottle and be clutch when you're given the opportunity to make a stock or to make a shot. And so, um, 
you know, like you have to find that inner motivation to show up on each and every hunt and be at your best. And so you just spun a lot of that negativity into your own positivity, into driving you to be better on these hunts and to um, be successful. So, you know, it's like we all have different journeys and, and we do mature and have a healthier mindset as we get older and we get better at life. But you used a lot of that for some good motivation and aired some good critters because of it too. Yeah, I mean, I, in a, I can't lie. I mean, I still use it now. Yeah, because yeah. as you said, I do get a lot of, a lot of shade thrown my way. But it's all right because, fuck, I won. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be having this podcast and be have people know me. It's like, no, I'm I'm supposed to be from some little you know, little town in Oregon. So we've already won, haven't we? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you can't, if I lost everything right now, it's like, I still won. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, that, you know, you know, you said how, you know, you're proving yourself every time because as, as we know, neither one of us have killed a bull yet this year. Right. I right. haven't killed one. You nope. haven't killed one. We got it. We, I don't even know how many I've killed. But I know I haven't killed one this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like all the pressure. And sometimes I get on these hunts and it is so hard or there's so much pressure. You're thinking about it so much. And maybe things just don't go right, right out of the gate. Or maybe you're, it's a different year or it's hot or the moon or whatever. And you're like, have I got lucky for all these? <laughs> I mean, I don't, it seems like it's never going to happen. It seems almost impossible. And that's like, I think even though we've done it, I still have doubts at times. But that's why I work the way I do. So I can so I can refer back to and be like, no, I freaking busted my ass for this. It's gonna happen. But do you have doubts mm-hmm. ever? Yeah. Well that's um really encouraging to hear that I'm not the only one. Yeah. Absolutely. It's um sometimes it seems like mission impossible. Like mm-hmm. you say, it may be the year, the unit that we're hunting, the the elk that we're hunting. But sometimes I get there and I think, how have I ever arrowed a bull? Like this is the most difficult thing on planet Earth. And these hunts, you make the best plans for them, they never go as planned. Right. It's like you can lay the best plan and you get there and you're just gonna face challenges that you couldn't foresee. Mm-hmm. They're not not going to be elk in this unit. You're going to have to keep moving around and finding them. You're going to run into hunting pressure. Uh, maybe the bull, the bulls are with the cows. And so they're in these huge groups. So you're trying to beat all these eyes of the cows. And so you get on these hunts and like part of the skill set is being able to adapt and evolve to the conditions that you're given. So creative thinking is rewarded and you have to you know, this is chestnut checkers. And so you get there and that bull is not going to be standing at 40 yards broadside on every hunt, no matter where you're hunting at, you know, it's going to be difficult and you might just get this sliver of opportunity, but I've done it for long enough that I know if I continue to grind that even though it may seem like I'm, I may never arrow a bull on this hunt. It's like, eventually I'll get an opportunity. So day seven, day eight, day nine, I'll earn an opportunity. I've killed a lot of bulls and bucks on the last hour of the last day just because I continue to put forth effort because I believe in myself I believe in my skills and I believe that I can make it happen because I've done it before and so yeah I definitely you know doubt creeps in I run into tough conditions sometimes on a hunt it feels like there is no way I'm going to be able to arrow a bull on this hunt but I'm going to give it my all so when I if I don't arrow a bull I can put my head down at night and know that I gave it my absolute all on this hunt and there's a lot of these hunts for a Montana 
a big mature six point bull where I had 20 days in or last year I drew a Shiras moose tag. Uh, I had 30 days in to trying to kill that moose. And there was a lot of days where I never saw moose and I put thousands of dollars of gas money in my truck. I took so much time off work day in, day out. I continued to grind and I used this, uh, system of, uh, uh, glassing from vantage points. Driving roads is a big part of it as well. Cause you're covering a lot of country and then also still hunting. And so this combination, but I just kept believing in the process and putting forth effort. And mm-hmm. I wasn't going to shoot any bull. Like you didn't have have to be a world record but i wanted to shoot a shyrus bull that i was proud of that was a good mature bull and eventually i got an opportunity and um, moose aren't known as being the spookiest animal but when you've been hunting 30 days and you finally find a shooter bull like i can't risk it and so mm-hmm. i was hunting this thing in a foot of snow and i caught him in a willow bottom with a cow and so i was wading through a foot of water through this in november so it was super cold 20 degrees out and so i am soaking wet and it took hours on this stock and i finally mm-hmm. got an opportunity put a perfect arrow in the bull he took 10 steps put a perfect arrow in him the other side and he died right there awesome. And it was like, it meant so much to me because I just continued to grind and put forth this effort. So 30 days later, here I am with my first moose and it's a Shiras bull just because of that belief and that effort and that day in, day out um, uh, mentality. And eventually it paid off. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that sounds great. That's a great story, but have you ever been, cause I, the reason why I say this, I've done this before myself where I've had so much success for so many years and the failures people don't know about because I overcame them and still killed. But I've had hunts recently where I'm like, you already create this story. Like it's almost like an excuse, but I, you know, a Texas whitetail hunt, which isn't supposed to be hard, but I had the hardest time last year. So I had created this story about Hey, sometimes hunts don't go. You can give all you got. You, you created this. You're already making this excuse about why you didn't kill, right? Or on the last bear hunt I just did, it's like, you know, I could say, well, I was waiting for a big bear and I just didn't see one. So you're kind of creating this ready-made story to make yourself feel better because you're because there's a, a hint of what other people think because of you've had so much success. I mean, so you go through all these things, and I don't care. I don't care. Well, I can't, I can't speak for other people. I just know I come across like I'm confident. I believe I work hard, but still in my head, I can't lie to myself. (laughs) And there's times where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get it done this time. What, how am I going to, people know I'm hunting. I'm going to make a post about it because I post about everything else. What am I going to say? And it's like, it almost feels weird worrying about it, but it's just part of the world we're in. And then funny as it may seem, I had created this excuse in my head and I overcame even that, my own brain, and still killed. <laughs> do you doubt yourself or do you, like on that moose hunt, had you already created like uh, something you could say about why you didn't kill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always an excuse. There's always a reason. And you can put in that reason in your own mind at Mm -hmm. any point in time. But yeah, I mean, doubt starts to creep in here. Mm -hmm. I am 29 days hunting a moose and I haven't got a chance at a bull and the ruts over with. (laughs) Now I'm into late season. It's general rifle season. The orange army is out there and I'm still out with my bow trying to kill a moose, you know? And, um, so yeah, there's definitely self doubt that creeps in and it's just like, that's the test. Could you have used a rifle? Oh yeah. Oh, so it's yeah. any weapon. Yeah. Yeah. 
I yeah. could have used a rifle from the very beginning okay. or even towards the end. But for me, so, it's so bow only. Yeah. Okay. There's just um, no other way I want to do it with any species I hunt. Mm-hmm. It's so intimate. It's like, you know, and, and rifle hunting is great for experience and it's uh, great to see some success. Uh, but but for me, it's like a rifle hunt ends at, at 200 yards and a bow hunt is just beginning. It's a higher level of hunting. It's a, a higher level of skill set that's, that's um, needed. And, and really for me to use a rifle, for you to use a rifle, it'd be cheating. It'd be way too easy, you know? And so yeah. like once you get to a point, it's like it's bow or nothing. So I hunt a lot of general rifle seasons with my bow all my mm-hmm. late season rut mule deer it's general rifle season out and guys with orange and i have my orange and my bow and you talk about some funny looks i get you <laughs> yeah. know walking around with my bow with I orange bet. and it's legal in montana mm-hmm. and a lot of these states yeah. uh but just putting this higher degree of difficulty on myself but yeah i mean i i think doubt creeps in for all of us like that's what we're trying to overcome and you have these you know we call them excuses maybe they're legit reasons like oh right. it was so hot it was so smoky i couldn't glass or gosh the weather came in and it got nasty and it was a snowstorm for four days there's always a reason or an excuse that you were unsuccessful and you can put that in your own mind or you just continue to put forth effort and so for me for that moose it wasn't so much self-doubt like yeah, I'd hate to post a picture of a sunset and tell you how I wasn't successful because of this reason and that reason. But the reality is, is like these hunts are really tough and that might happen. I have to be okay with it. So for me, it was almost the mindset of like, I'm not going to get this tag again. It took me 20 some years to draw this tag. I am going to get the most out of this experience. Mm -hmm. I am going to go every single day I have the chance. I'm going to put all my effort in. If I don't kill one, I saw over 40 moose. I passed smaller bulls, and and that's how it happened. But I am going to give it my absolute all, everything I have till the very last day of the season. And if that's the way it goes down, then you'll see a pretty fucking sunset and it won't happen, you know, but, uh, it, it did happen because (laughs) effort pays off. And if you keep that mentality of keep putting forth effort, you don't take the easy way. Like I could have start started like not putting effort forth, like, Oh, I'm just cruising roads or I'm just going through the motions. But instead every day, I believe I'm going to find a bull. This might Mm -hmm. be the one, this might be the day. And the day I killed that bull. So I had a rule. Moose are so big and so heavy and I don't ask for help. So I don't call a bunch of people to help me pack it. It's like, if I kill a moose and I did have help packing it out, Mm -hmm. I had a a buddy that came and helped me, but I'm not the one that's going to call the, call everybody I know to try to pack it out. Like it's on me. And so I made these rules. Okay. Well, I can't, you know, a moose is so big, so heavy. I might be by myself. I don't have horses. So my rule is two miles from the road. Mm -hmm. That's where I want to kill one at. And, um, so you know, I was three miles in when I found the bull, of course, you know, and then yeah. killed him back there because that's the way it goes. But just continuing to put forth effort yeah. to find that bull. And eventually it comes to fruition. It's like effort pays off and it might not be, you might be on a tough hunt and give your all and it doesn't come through, but to put that effort throughout that entire hunt. And then on the next hunt, like you're going to see success. Effort mm-hmm. pays off. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think that's, you know, you saying that is maybe why we've connected even from afar because of that mindset, the bow only mindset. It's not something everybody has. I mean, as just like with you, a lot of my hunts because they're landowner tags or they're, you know, different tags, it's any weapon, right? I mean, if you go to San Carlos, 
you can use a rifle, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, or like say there's a place I hunt in Utah, rifles are legal, right? But there's something about bow only that, I mean, it's hard. And it's like, I could see like on your moose hunt, I could see people in the same situation saying, yeah, I bow hunted and they would make it sound, I passed up some bulls with the bow, but I wanted something special. I could have killed them with a the bow, but instead I found this big one and killed it with a rifle. And so then they kind of save face because they're saying that, oh, they could have had success with the bow, but, but they didn't want to, cause it was, the bull wasn't big enough. But so this is a story they're spinning, but with the, with the attitude of it's bow only or nothing, that's a, that's a different level. That's a special mindset. And I can, I, I remember, you know, the, the hunting industry can be funny, but I remember I was in Utah and I hit this buck and I hit it a little back. Um, let me think what I did. Yeah. I hit it a little back. So this deer, I thought it was going to be, you know, I'd go get him. He'd be bedded up. He ended up, it turning into a rodeo. I was hunting this outfit. This is late. This is in November. They're pull. I'm the last hunter. They're pulling up everything. They're getting out of there. So they can't leave until I'm done hunting. Right. And I hit this buck. Everybody knew I'd hit this buck. So they're like, you know, I could easily, the buck went in and embedded down kind of in this Aspen Grove and could easily have taken a rifle and finished it. Right. And that's probably what a lot of people would have done. And maybe that would have been fine too. That's hundred percent legal. You could do that. But I'm like, no, I don't, you know, Hey, we got a rifle right here. You want to kill, get that buck killed. I'm like, I'm going to get it killed, but I'm going to get it killed with my bow. And it took for, I mean, it was like a long stock. And then I had the buck spotted and I boots off and I'm like, so slow, so slow. I could, could have shot it many times with the rifle and it took forever to get in. And I got so close to that deer. I got like, God, it might've been 17 yards eased over shot him, got him killed, got the butt. But it's like, you know what that's like. You know what that would, that situation would be like. And I just think a lot of, most people would be like, yeah. And maybe even some of them would have shot it with the gun and still had their bow there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Can't do it. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the biggest regret of my hunting career probably is the grizzly hunt that, they, they had to shoot out with the gun because I, you know, fucking made a poor shot. And it's just like, I can't even hardly get over that memory. And it's been one time in 35, 34 years of bow hunting in one time. And that's like, it just haunts me. So it's like, I love your approach to bow only. And that's my, that's my, uh, my thoughts on it. It's like, and I think that really, it's a, I don't know. It's a small group of people who share that mindset. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it is. Um, it's so much more difficult and it isn't just about killing some big animal with me. It's man. Um, bow hunting, it's in our DNA. Like, uh, uh hunting is the reason why humans survived the last 200,000 years. And so, It's like there's something in your DNA and the most intimate experience in nature you can get is this predator prey relationship. And it's, it's this in close proximity of these animals that are so turned on and like 
so switched on and their instincts are so keen and the only thing they're thinking about is survival. To get in and to make those right moves and keep that element of surprise and to be so close to that animal, like, like it, it is so visceral. It is, it's like this experience that can, can't even be described by words like us sitting on the podcast. It is so intense to have your heart beating out of your chest, being so close and having that bucker bull not know you're there. And then try to keep your stuff together to deliver a perfect arrow. It is like difficult to harness that. It's like one thing to be a really good shot on a target. It's another thing to be able to transition that to be a really good shot on animals. And and this is like it, it's like really harnessing this 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 power of your mind and harnessing this control over over body and and, and everything you have and and it's it's so difficult that it feels so good when you have success that you've worked so hard for it's like climbing Everest and once you have those feelings that that you have gotten close and you have arrowed this great buck that you're proud of and done everything right, whether it took you a 10-day hunt or whether it took you five years of applying all this effort to kill this buck, like that's our Everest. And so once you climb Everest and and you get those those feelings and the the satisfaction of, of being able to overcome all these challenges and and put it all on the field and come out on top, like after you have that, it's like everything else it just wouldn't be the same. Mm-hmm. I don't need to post some picture of some great big bucker bull I killed with a rifle. That means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. To get in close and put a perfect arrow, that's something I'm immensely proud of that right. I want to share with our community and share with my friends and family because I'm proud of it. The effort it took, the control it took, everything that went into this hunt, the challenges that I faced, being immersed in nature and um, all the elements and coming out on top. Like that's my Everest. And that's what drives me year after year is to go have these adventures. And man, these adventures are out there for everybody out there. And mm-hmm. it's um, uh, to be able to like life is so nerf now. It's like you go get water from your tap. You have a comfortable house that maybe it's AC controlled. You've got heat in the wintertime. You get in your vehicle, you drive to and from work like it's so protected. You've got your seat belts, everything fairly safe. And don't get me wrong, you need like car wrecks or major accidents that can happen but to to immerse yourself out there in nature where uh your decisions directly affect your safety and like uh uh you have to have like uh you have to make good decisions you know and you you have to go out you really get to test yourself physically and mentally like you get to embark on an adventure Mm -hmm. you know and that's available for everybody to go do and embark on and like once you do that and are fulfilled by these uh, these moments out there, like uh, in the the most extreme places in the lower 48, like uh, you probably hook like me and you are where you just can't get enough of it. And it drives you to be a better person and a better bow hunter. And really, it feels like what I was put here to do, like it's directly mm-hmm. tied to my DNA, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you talk about how safe society is and comfortable and it's like, it reminds me of the, the Goggins quote. It's like, I think we're always going to have a place like to, for those adventures, because as Goggins says, it's so easy to be great nowadays because everybody else is a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, and it's like, as society gets easier to live, to survive, then yeah, those adventures are going to be, you know, heart. That's a big gap from somebody who's 
got an easy life to somebody who loves a challenge and us over here are going to be still enjoying it. Um, one thing I think that I'm so lucky in that, you know, and I don't know what type of people you were around, but I was around Roy growing up who has, you know, it's the same bow only mindset. Wayne, you met Wayne and it's, you know, archery is, we've never even talked about a gun or a rifle or a shell or like any caliber, anything. It's like archery only for life. And I was pretty lucky to grow up around those guys. And I loved, I loved you meeting Wayne because you got the full Wayne experience, a full herd bull experience. I don't think you ever met Roy. Did you? Nope. Yeah. Um, you would have, God, Roy, you know, everything we're talking about, Roy was the one, you know, he was the one that set the standard for all this mindset, all this shit, all everything we're talking about. Roy, yeah, he, you would have, you would have loved listening to every word he said, but I'm so thankful you got to meet Wayne yesterday. Tell me about Wayne. Oh man. Um, and today you saw him. Oh yeah. Uh, Wayne is, um, he's incredible, man. He runs, um, uh, the bow rack, right? That's yep. the bow shop. Yeah. Um, man, it is a one in a hundred or one in a thousand bow shops that Wayne has so much passion for bow hunting. It's so mm. much passion for archery and his knowledge is so vast. I know a lot about bows and bow tuning and accuracy. I've worked my whole life and gone deep down the rabbit hole of it. And um, uh, Wayne um, knows multiples more than I do. Just so knowledgeable, good with working with him because he sees thousands of those bows and and his passion for it and his, his confidence in what he believes in in those bows and then his willingness to share that information and... Um, Man, I was I was just so impressed, and then I was really glad that I got to have a conversation with him today. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, about some bow hunting and some places that he hunts and chasing elk around. Like, man, I could um, I could talk to that guy all day long. Like, he's got that same passion for archery and bow hunting. So it's no surprise that his shop uh, is doing great and um, really blowing up because um, it's better than the than every bow shop that I've ever been to just by the leadership there um so yeah he's he's one of a kind man um what a what a great human being and great guy for the archery industry and great buddy of yours and um anybody that has Wayne set up a bow for him consider yourself lucky you are getting years of knowledge put into that bow and not only that but he cares he's like uh it isn't good enough he tweaked with the timing on my bow yesterday for 25 minutes going back and forth with strings twisting and, and just like absolutely micro adjusting because he was not satisfied with it until it was absolutely perfect. Um, and that was pretty incredible to see. So uh, I definitely like took some knowledge away <laughs> just from what he showed me yesterday. So it's going to make me a better bow hunter in the end, just this short interaction that I got with him, you know? Yeah. And so, um, super impressed, man. That guy's one of a kind. He is. He is. And I saw, then I saw, and I'm not saying your bow wasn't shooting accurate before, but I saw it today in person and like, you know, you broke the balloon at 174 yards. And then not only that, because that's just kind of getting a spot to hold and that it is hard. It's, I mean, one mistake at that distance and you're missing the whole target, but you did amazing there. But then once we got in even closer where now it's like, 
I can't remember what we shot at, but you know, 90 yards on an elk and we're like, Oh, an inch high. You know what I mean? And so we're like, Oh yeah, pretty good shot, but an inch high, you know, it's like 90 yards, but it's like that type of who can not many people can be that precise with a, with a bow. And you were today. And, you know, we were shooting those closer shots, but still long shots in the grand scheme of things for archery and just talking about inches of precision. Mm-hmm. And I saw your bow was just like, so accurate. I was so impressed with your shooting. I mean, I think, I think, I think your mindset is top notch. I think your shooting is right there. And it's no wonder you've had this success because with those two and then the passion, that's our goal. And I've heard you say it. I remember I said it to, uh, to Dan state. when he came down here, my goal, and I don't give a fuck. You can, you can criticize everything I do, my approach, where I hunt, how I hunt, what I say, which you, you can't deny. I am undeniable. I will get shit killed every time, no matter what you say. And I see that in you, you know, I see, and I've heard you say it too. Your goal is to be undeniable, right? Regardless of circumstances mm-hmm. is that, I mean, I, do we share that mindset? hundred <laughs> percent, man. I love that. It fires me up. Yeah. Um, that's exactly right. Is that you want to show up to the trailhead of any hunt of any unit and be undeniable. And man, I hunt, I mean, you know, it's, um, it's competitive nowadays. Like a lot of guys want these quality hunts. So, I mean, the majority of places I hunt are over the counter. They're easy to draw one to three point units. And you're showing up at the trailhead, like Montana success rates on a bull elk with a bow and arrow are 6%. Mm -hmm. One in 20 guys fill their tag that year. Um, and and that's just a bull elk. That's not a mature six point bull bull. elk. So what are the, what are the odds when you go to a big, yeah, 1%. But somehow I'm able to buck the odds year after year after year because of the work that I put in. And it's the preparation, like you said, it's the the mindset, it's the shooting, it's the physical fitness, it's the, uh, the, the instincts that you hone to make the right moves at the right times. It's, you know, all these different facets come into play to be successful. And so you have to be really well-rounded, but you have to be good at each one of these. And so I put in the work dedicated myself for the last 20, 25 years to bow hunting. And so when I show up to a trailhead, yes, I feel like I'm undeniable the same way you show up for a hunt Mm -hmm. and feel like you've put in all the necessary work and you show up and no matter which challenge you're going to face, what hurdles are going to be in front of you, what conditions you're going to come across, like you are going to find a way. And that's the exact same mentality I have. I am going to find a way one way or another to be successful. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's easy for people to take shots like where I hunt. Cause I hunt, I've worked my ass off to hunt the very best fucking elk country. It's like, I'm not going to apologize. It's like, it's taken a lot of sacrifice to get these opportunities. But even for you, people could say, well, you work with Eastman. So you got the inside scoop on all these areas mm-hmm. and it's no wonder. And people could say, oh, well, if I had those opportunities, well, anybody could do that. I'm like, oh, fucking show me then mm-hmm. oh, anybody could. So you could then fucking do it. I don't see anybody doing it. Mm-mm. I don't see anybody killing a bunch of big bulls every year. I don't see people mimicking your success. So could anybody do it? Or is that just you talking out your ass? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anybody can, if they have the passion and they apply themselves wholeheartedly, like it is the opportunity is out there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, 
you get to you get to hunt some great places for the biggest bulls around but um those bulls don't know your cameron haynes those those bulls don't know what you've achieved and they're still wild animals with keen instincts that get hunted all year long and, and you're hunting them in wild country like those those elk those mule deer have you know they've evolved from thousands of years from avoiding mountain lions and bears and a mountain lion is way sneakier than i could ever hope to be to jump on their back and kill them with tooth and claws and so these Incredible. animals have evolved for all these years and and you don't hunt these places because elk are easy you hunt these places to have a chance at a mature bull elk and these mature bull elk that you are killing that are 10 years old or older man they have been called to every way from sunday they have been chased by every different bow hunter out there like they have survived all these years because their instincts are so keen and you're able to go out there and match wits with those animals and put a perfect arrow into them Mm -hmm. like the only reason you're be you're able to do that is because you have worked tirelessly at your craft to be at your absolute best when you hit the trails or hit the mountains. So is it available to everybody out there? Absolutely. 100%. You're not going to achieve it in the first year. You're going to have to put 20 years in like me and you have. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to go fail. You're going to have to miss shots. You're going to have to have uh, failed hunts. You're going to have times where you can't find an animal. You're going to have times where you can't stalk an animal. You run into hunting pressure. You're going to have to face all these challenges that me and you have faced over the years and overcome them year after year, you're going to have to work on, on your skill sets to be the very best bow hunter you can be. And then you can achieve it. Absolutely. 100%. We're nothing special. At least I'm not. It's a long grind. No, I know I'm not, I'm nothing special. It's just taken, you know, 34 years, you know? So, I mean, if you're, is if you're expecting overnight success, you need to probably like, uh, and like play the lottery, I guess, because <laughs> bow hunting is not the key, but you know what? So we talk about the difficulty and we talk about that anybody can do it. And I want to just reference, you know, I just had that lift run shoot event here this last weekend and it was, it's like incredible, but also you've been involved in a similar with a similar type of, uh, event with Ryan Lampers, right? Mm-hmm. And what the Western Hunting Summit, or yeah. what is it? Is yeah, exactly. It Western yeah. Hunting Summit. So tell yeah. me about the the guys you have coming there, and what's what's so empowering about that experience for you and for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's mentorship. It's um, being able to mentor these guys and get them on the right path. And actually, the deal is, is um, you can get there way quicker than I did. Like being able to learn from guys like you and guys like me. And so Lampers had this idea for these summits for mentoring, and he does such a great job at bringing in like really knowledgeable hunters. And so I've done every summit with him, and we get a group of twenty to thirty guys that come in that are hungry to learn and become better. And um, so these guys sit in on this information and uh, they're able to shoot 3d courses we're able to do big hikes and big rucks together we did one bear summit where we covered like over 60 miles in three days Um, and we take these guys backpacking and we teach them all the skills and teach them a lot of these lessons that we've learned over the years and so um yeah it's it's been really fulfilling and then you know i give these guys my contact information they're able to text me or ask me questions that uh, apply directly to to their hunting but yeah i've seen some guys come into these courses and and to just uh, grab hold of this mindset grab hold of like Everything that I'm telling them, everything that Lampers is telling them, be able to become one of these consistently successful bow hunters just by by a 
by adopting like these uh, same things that we're talking about today. And really, it all starts with your mind. Mm -hmm. You just have to decide that's what you want. You have to decide that you're going to work towards it every single day and give it your best. So I've seen guys come into this summit. We've been doing it for seven or eight years now. And now some of these guys are just as successful as I am each and every year because they're putting in the work, because they're honing their craft, because they're improving it. And they can actually, like the next generation will get there quicker than I did because yeah. they have podcasts to learn from, they have guys to learn from, they have all this information that they can apply to their own hunting, which then they can cut their learning curve so they, they don't have to make every single mistake I made. They're going to make some mistakes and have to learn from them, mm-hmm. but they're able to get there a lot quicker, and it's all just because they want it, you know, and um, they go for it, and now it's been amazing to see these guys come up and, and be consistently successful. Yeah, it's. I think, I, I mean, it's, show, it's so fun sharing what we love with other people who are just as interested, you know, I mean, yeah, they don't have the experience, but that's, you know, they're going to earn that because there's, you know, there's no shortcut to experience, but just knowing that they're on the right path. And yeah, this, this hurdle or this challenge, yes, we faced this too. And here's how we overcame it. So it kind of, it, it makes them feel better that sometimes people fail and they're just be like, maybe, maybe I just suck. No, you don't just suck. Everybody has done this, mm-hmm. but we have to push through. I, I just really like, um, I like, I don't know Ryan Lampers that much, but I follow him and I love what he stands for. Hillary seems great. I mean, his wife, I, you know, she's, she's been great. Um, I just, it seems like that event and that bringing people together like that. I just love that you're involved because if you're talking to the guys, they're getting the real story. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's great to see. I know on this last one, people are, you know, they just want authentic to hang around authentic people who, who love what we love. And it's just like, man, it's, it's so empowering and energizing. And it just fills my soul to see people. I was with, you know, a hundred people for three days, didn't hear one negative word. It was crazy. It was like, you know, it makes all this, I don't know. It just gives, it gives the best feeling to me. And it seems like, man, I think about the, the long journey and all the struggles and all the doubt and all the people trying to keep you down. And it's like, and it was for this. And it's like, that's okay. Because if this was a reward, I'm good. It's all worth it. Mm Mm-hmm. That I mean, event looked amazing, man. Yes. It, uh, you had some really good speakers in there and different subject matter. Uh, those guys are going to be able to take that information and run with it, and they're going to see success. They're cutting their learning curve. It's like, yeah, you can put 10 years of grinding in the mountains and make every mistake like I did, or you can come to one of these events and <laughs> learn from these consistently successful hunters and cut that learning curve by multiple years to start seeing that success sooner. So these guys that are coming to these events – um, you know, they're taking the first step to self-improvement and they're embracing it. You put them through the ringer of tough times of mm-hmm. runs and workouts and shooting and, and shooting. It's not just like shooting in your flip-flops in your backyard. You got the herd bull standing over you <laughs> telling you yeah. everything you're doing wrong. Like you got to yeah. drop your ego a bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, these guys are willing to do that and willing to put in the work to be great. And, and since, you know, because of that, they will be great. Yeah. I, I was curious, um, I'm going to get you, I'm going to, we're going to, 
wrap this up here pretty soon because I'm going to take you out to Wayne's. I love showing Wayne's barn and all his archery history, and I know you would appreciate it. I haven't taken any guests out there yet because you know a lot of the people are new, but you would the the history of archery is God is so special. And as Wayne says, the history of archery is the history of mankind. So I, I want to show you this, but um, I did I was interested in hearing. So if you think about where you started to where you are now, because what I see now is just a phenomenal shot dedicated to, to being in great physical condition and a student of the game, right? So what was the what's the biggest difference from where you started to how you got here? What, what did that take? I mean, think about how you shot back in the day. Um, what was that? What did you change to be a great shooter? Mm-hmm. To be a great shooter... Um, you have to be willing to make change. You have to be willing to drop your ego. Um, and, and any change in your form, you have to get a little bit worse before you get better. Mm. So you make a form change and all of a sudden you're not shooting as good as you used to. You're shooting worse, but you know that that's the correct move to your form. Mm -hmm. And that if you continue with it, you will rise above it and be better than you ever have been. And so I think I've just gone deep down the rabbit hole. I'm willing to ask questions. I'm willing to drop my ego Mm -hmm. and take advice from people. Uh, I'm just constantly taking in knowledge from good shooters, people that are better shooters than me. And, um, and I, I put in the work like day in, day out. I put the arrows down range. I learn from it. I'm not afraid to put twists in my bows. I'm not afraid to work on my bows. I'm not afraid to make change. And so I think it's just my dedication to the craft and my, um, being a student of the game, like always wanting to be at my very best. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of it is just my approach to it. The work I've put in adds up over the years and, um, uh, just, uh, uh, putting so much effort into being good at archery because I know every successful hunt comes down to making a shot. So I have to be my best and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not to the, there's more improvement for me down the road. I want to continue to improve and continue to put in the work, continue to learn, continue to get better. Uh, because, um, uh, there's no limit to where you can go in bow hunting and in life. Like there's no ceiling. It's one of the things I love about it is Mm -hmm. that you can continue to improve and continue to show up at the trailhead and be even better, you know? And so, um, there's still better shots than me out there. And so there's still, improvement to be made there's knowledge to be gained and so i'm going to continue on the same path that i've been on but it it is just um you know those things that i think uh makes me the shooter that i am and also shooting high pressure situations you know like um shooting next to to cameron haynes or shooting next to wayne endicott or shooting in front of a group of people or you know really putting the pressure on myself to make a good shot like um you know that comes like that helps when you're shooting at a big bull or a big buck. And then also like transitioning, you know, I said it once on the podcast, but you know, you can be a great shot on a target, but then you have to transition that great shooting to one arrow on an animal and Mm -hmm. being a great shot on an animal. And that's the really tough transition that people have trouble with. And so for me, it's been a lot of experience. Like Mm -hmm. I hunt a lot of high opportunity places. So not all my kills are great big bucks or great big bulls. Like I've killed a bunch of white tailed does. I hunt antelope every year. I hunt 
axis deer, like hunting different species in different environments improves your skill set in different ways. And so, you know, I hunt coos deer down on the border. I hunt like anything they'll let me hunt with my bow. I'm going to go hunt <laughs> yeah. it. And then, you know, like, like just getting that, that execution or that trigger time, like being able to execute good shots on animals, like, like then you start to really hone that skill to where you can be at your very best. And also, like not getting rattled or, or shook up with big antlers, you know, it's yeah. like been here before. I know what I need to do. I know what my job is. I know I need to execute a shot, but really it's like, uh, experience has been a great teacher for me. You know, I don't know how many white tail does I've killed, but they give me five tags in Montana and stalking white tail does down there in the river bottom improves your skill set, improves your shooting. And so when you execute perfect shots on them, like, like that, you know, that really transposes and really helps when shooting at other animals. And so, you know, experience has been a big part of my success, but yeah, I'd say that's kind of my archery journey for sure. Yeah. That, that makes, I mean, as, as I don't know, interesting as it sounds to get good at killing, you got to kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all there is to it. And if that's, that's our goal and we go out with the bow, I mean, yes, we want the journey. We want their memories, but Hey, we're trying to get an animal on the ground because of what it offers our life and sustaining our life with the meat that we get from that hunt. But it's an animal's dying and to get good at it, you got to kill it. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I like that high pressure exam or mention you had, and that's, you know, that mimics what I've thought for a long time. You know, when Cabela's opened here in town, my hometown, they said, do you want to come cut the ribbon to open the building? And, uh, I said, well, no, but I'll shoot it. And so I came up with this plan to, to shoot the, the grand opening ribbon. And uh, yeah, I loved having all those TV cameras around and the big crowd of people. And yeah, it'd look really bad if you screw that up. But that's the pressure that's, it's different than with an animal, but we're dealing with a lot of pressure in an intense moment. And so that simulates it a little bit. And as you said, it's like, you can recreate that with the people you're around, with uh, the pressure you put on yourself, maybe the situation like the Cabela's grand opening. But yeah, that's the key. And it's like, there is no formula for becoming the best bow hunter in the world. There's a lot of different things you can do and it's gonna be hard and you're gonna have to earn it and you're gonna have to get that experience. But man, there's uh, just mostly being immersed in the lifestyle and appreciating what archery is and what bow hunting is. And it's a never ending process, you know? I mean. I still, I had, you know, I killed 11 animals last year and it's not like I can just be like, oh, it's perfect. 11 for 11. No, I'm thinking about, I hit a white tail buck low. I lower than I wanted. I hit, um, I hit made perfect shots on a few bulls, a couple bulls. I could have made better shots. I got them killed. So if I just focused on the kill, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm perfect. No, I, I can be better. I screwed up. I, I made it harder than it needed to be. And I don't want that animal to suffer. And because of me, I, I could have made that suffering less. And so I'm like, I put a lot of pressure on myself. No, I need to, I need to be better. I can't just focus on, yeah, it worked out. No, there's these little things that we can improve on and we can focus on instead of just focusing on, oh, I punched my tag. It's like, no, this is, this is like a never ending process of improvement. Makes me smile, man. It's like, um, it's why you're great. It's mm. the drive. 
the drive to become better. And it's easy to have that motivation and to have it wane and just go, yeah, I'm good enough. I killed 11 animals next year. I'm just gonna, you know, I'll kill, I'll kill some more this year. It's like easy to rest on your laurels. Mm -hmm. It's easy to look at your mounts in here, to look at the mounts in my house and say, yeah, I'm a great bow hunter, you know, man, Mm -hmm. I'm good. You know, I'll, I'll be good this year. I'll figure it out. But instead you just get back to the grind and you put in the work, this inner motivation, this inner drive, this student of the game always wanting to improve and always wanting to get better like that's why we're successful that inner drive man that's it you nailed it yeah wow brian thank you so much for coming all the way out to oregon it's been i mean it's uh, you know you say you follow me coming up it's been an honor having you out here because i really respect you and i look up to you and i respect what you've built for yourself and and just the way you go about it and your mindset it's uh there's not a lot of people in the in the hunting industry that I think get me or that I respect, you know, in turn, but you are one of them. Thank you very much. You are an outlier in this in this game that we call bow hunting and I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, man. It's um it's it's been amazing. So yeah. Um yeah, it's it's my pleasure and just can't thank you enough for for having me on and um sharing the mountain with me and uh, man your your trail run is just amazing too how you have all those trailheads linked together to those road systems that was a really special run that i can't stop thinking about and um yeah yeah you're able to take me to some dark places which is really good you know i had to grind to get get it in the end but um yeah i can't thank you enough all right take care yep thanks it's time to gear up for summer at bass pro shops and cabela's time for trips to the lake stories around the campfire, and memories with friends and family. Shop Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's for everything you need to enjoy your summer. Save on top brands like Ascend Clothing and Camping Gear and Johnny Morris Rods and Reels. And don't forget great products like Cabela's Polar Cap Coolers and Pro Series Grills. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, your adventure starts here. Shop in-store or online. I have teamed up with Mountain Ops and Black Rifle Coffee for the best hunt giveaway I have ever seen. One premium elk tag, one premium deer tag, and one lucky person. Yes, one lucky person gets both those tags. This hunt is with Wild Country Outfitters in a unit I hunt year after year in Utah. It is not only some of the best elk hunting in the state, but hunters take giant deer there year after year as well. How can one win this hunt, you may ask? It's as simple as going to mountainops.com slash hunt. If you make a purchase on the website, make sure you use code CAM for 20% off and free shipping. Keep hammering and may the odds be in your favor.